Behold, I speak unto you, keep my commandments, and seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. Doctrine and Covenants, section 12, verse 6. Hey listeners, this is Neil from Book of Mormon Central, and today's podcast addresses the question, how was the Joseph Knight family important to bringing forth the Book of Mormon? From November 1826 to July 1827, Joseph Smith did manual labor for Joseph Knight Sr. and lodged with his family in Colesville, New York. Arriving at the Knight's homestead only weeks after his fourth annual visit with Moroni at the Hill Cumorah, Joseph quickly came to trust Joseph Knight and his sons. As Joseph Knight Jr. remembered, it was that November when Joseph made known to my father and I that he had seen a vision, that a personage had appeared to him and told him where there was a gold book of ancient date buried. I think we were the first after his father's family to be told about this. The trust between Joseph and the Knight family was mutual. As they lived and worked closely with Joseph, the Knights found him to be an honest and trustworthy young man, so much so that they couldn't help but believe him. According to Newell Knight, when Joseph talked about his visions of Moroni and the gold plates, he was so honest and plain in all his statements that there was no room for any misgivings with me on the subject. When the time came to retrieve the plates almost a year later on September 22, 1827, Joseph Knight Sr. was staying at the Smith Farm. Joseph Smith took Knight's horse and wagon to the Hill Cumorah to retrieve the plates and the interpreters, or the Urim and Thummim. When Joseph returned, Knight said that he gave a description of the plates mentioning the length and the width and the thickness of the plates. But Knight remembered Joseph seemed to think more of the glasses or the Urim and Thummim than he did of the plates. Joseph told Knight, I can see anything. They are marvelous. Later, in the winter of 1828, Joseph and Emma came to Knight seeking his assistance. Joseph was trying to make progress on the translation of the Book of Mormon, but he was limited by various factors, including their poor financial circumstances and Joseph's need to work in order to provide for their needs. Knight remembered that he personally was not in easy circumstances at the time, but he gave them some little provisions. In early 1829, Knight gave Joseph a little money to buy paper to translate. After Oliver Cowdery arrived in April 1829, Joseph and Oliver began making rapid progress on the translation. By the later part of May, they had run out of paper and other provisions, and so Oliver and Joseph went to Colesville, about 30 miles away, to see if Knight could assist them. Knight was away at the time, but when he returned home, his family informed him of Joseph and Oliver's request for assistance. Immediately, Knight bought large quantities of fish, grain, and potatoes, along with some lined paper for writing, and went down to Harmony. When he arrived, Joseph and Oliver were out looking for work. As Knight recalled, they returned home and found me there with provisions, and they were glad. According to Joseph Smith, it was on this occasion that he received the revelation now canonized as Doctrine and Covenants 12 on behalf of Joseph Knight Sr. In the revelation, the Lord informed Knight that a great and marvelous work was about to come forth and told him to keep my commandments and seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. Knight followed this commission, and through his efforts, much of his extended family network were converted to the gospel, forming the core of the Colesville branch of the early church. Joseph Knight Sr. and his family were among some of Joseph's earliest supporters, providing much-needed resources, especially during the crucial period of Book of Mormon translation. Thus, Joseph Knight Sr. was no doubt already engaged in establishing the cause of Zion by the time the Lord expressly commissioned him to do just that in May 1829. Without Joseph Knight's assistance, it's hard to imagine how the Book of Mormon could have been brought forth. As William G. Hartley noted, the Knights helped Joseph Smith give the world the Book of Mormon. They provided food for Joseph and Emma while Joseph translated the gold plates. 
Parts of the original Book of Mormon manuscript were penned on foolscap paper the knights bought for Joseph. Father Knight's wagon carried the gold plates from the hill Cumorah. Furthermore, Knight left the world a written account of the earliest events in the history of the church, sometime before he died in 1847. Hartley observed that this account provides details about the coming forth of the Book of Mormon not recorded by anyone else. Some of those unique details pertain to the visits of Moroni between 1823 and 1827. Speaking of Joseph Knight Sr.'s account, Hartley explained, Father Knight's history records what he had heard about Moroni's visits with Joseph Smith. His small history is an important document, a valuable record concerning the beginnings of Mormonism. Although his recollection contains some unfamiliar elements not in Joseph Smith's accounts, it supports fully the young man's testimony that an angel repeatedly visited him, instructed him, showed him the plates, and forbade him to remove them from the hill until later. His sons Newell and Joseph Jr. also recorded valuable first-hand information about Joseph's life and character during the years surrounding the coming forth of the Book of Mormon and the founding of the church. These sources offer a close-up view of Joseph Smith that few people outside his immediate family could ever have provided. Thus, not only did the Knight family provide much-needed physical assistance in bringing forth the Book of Mormon, through their personal histories and testimonial recollections, they continue to assist interested readers today in better understanding the events that brought forth the Book of Mormon from darkness unto light. The Prophet Joseph Smith greatly appreciated the support he received from the Knight family. Unlike Martin Harris, Oliver Cowdery, and most of the Whitmer clan, the Knights remained loyal to Joseph until the end. Towards the end of his life, while reflecting on the virtues and the good qualities and characteristics of the faithful few, Joseph penned a grateful tribute to all those who had stood by me in every hour of peril for these 15 long years past. The very first person he named was Joseph Knight Sr., the aged and beloved brother, who was among the number of the first to administer to my necessities while he was laboring in the commencement of the bringing forth of the work of the Lord and laying the foundation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For 15 years, he has been faithful and true and even-handed and exemplary and virtuous and kind, never deviating to the right nor the left. Behold, he is a righteous man. May God Almighty lengthen out the old man's days. Joseph Smith went on to honor Father Knight's sons, Newell and Joseph Jr., whose names I record in the book of the law of the Lord with unspeakable delight, for they are my friends. Latter-day Saints and all friends of truth today should likewise appreciate, celebrate, and strive to emulate the important contributions of the Knight family, bringing forth and further establishing the cause of Zion as the righteous are commissioned by the Lord to do. Thank you for listening. For more information on the Book of Mormon, visit bookofmormoncentral.org and click on the Know Why tab.